0: I don't know about you, but I think we could almost end the service after that last song, don't you? That was gr- good stuff. We're not going to. Just want to make sure you understand it. But we could have. Jesus is risen. Oh, I heard one person start saying it. So there's a tradition when the pastor says, Jesus is risen, the congregation says, he is risen indeed. Oh, man, you guys got that. That's very good. wasn't in my notes, but since it's happening, we're, we're going to do it. So this morning, uh, I want us to kind of take maybe for the first time a new look or a different look at this whole idea of the resurrection. I've told this to some of you. I uh, know this. Those who are, are first time attending, you wouldn't notice about me, but I was raised in a church. Um, I grew up. You know, literally, I was, maybe my mom even had me in the church. I don't know. But I, all I know is soon after I was born, I was in the church. And uh, it's, it was embarrassing when I was growing up because I'd go back to church and the, the ladies who used to change my diaper would see me, you know. <laughs> and they'd be like, hi, Harold. And I'm like, why are you, anyways. Um, it was a little bit awkward. But um, so, like, when it comes to Easter, I'm 50 years old now. I don't know if I've missed an Easter I might have missed one or two over my life but I I've been in an Easter service numerous times in my life and my fear is for people who have been to church a lot or people don't really know the story that the familiarity with it tends to cause it to not be impactful in our lives so this morning I want to look at the fact that Jesus rose and what's our response to that how do we respond to the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he's offering us life and hope and freedom as the video says. We're going to be in Luke 24, so go ahead and turn there. Luke 24, if you're using the pew there in the rack in front of you, it's uh, page 1056. It'll also be up on the screen if you want to follow along up there. But I want to challenge us to evaluate what our response is to this truth that God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, died, was buried, and very importantly, rose from the dead. What we're going to do is we're going to look at some instances where the disciples were faced with that resurrection and how they responded. And, and I, I, I really enjoy the disciples because you, you look at them and they seem to constantly screw up and that makes me feel good. Uh, because I constantly seem to be screwing up. You, you look at they were with Jesus for over three years. They saw Jesus do incredible things. Heal people and feed 5,000 people with two fish and some bread. And You know, he, he walks on water. He He's doing some incredible things. And then they, they keep on having difficulty with that and keep on wondering what it really means and can they trust this guy and he did this but will he do this? And they keep on kind of messing up and we're like man can't you understand that can't you get in your head what jesus said and then i stop and i think about well harold can't you you know i i know i was talking to some of the guys this morning we know the end of the story he's, he's given it to us we, we got it all so harold why can't you trust jesus when he says he's going to do this and do that why can't you trust god with his promises so the disciples are great people to look at And to me, as I'm looking through Luke 24 this week, um, I keep on, again, wondering, how do you guys respond the way you respond? But maybe that will help us generate in our own hearts, in our own minds, how do we respond to the resurrection? We're going to look at verses 1 through 12 first and and the response of the disciples. So follow along with me uh, as I read those verses. It says, starting in verse 1 there, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. So this is first day of the week, early dawn, third day, not the band, third day, this is an important day. This is a day, there should be some anticipation, right? Wouldn't you think there'd be some anticipation? And they found a stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed by this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, the angels, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He's not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son, the, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now there were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James. Also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense. They would not believe them. But Peter got up ran to the tomb, stopped or stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings, wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. That's the response of the disciples, of the 11 and the others. Now, with the ladies, when they showed up, I think we would probably be perplexed as word. Great word, by the way, perplexed. So these ladies, they're going to go take care of Jesus' body. If, you know, and other Gospels tell us they're walking along talking about how we're going to move the stone out of the way, how we're going to get in there and be able to prepare his body. Um, so, you know, so they're talking and, and walking and come around and they see the tomb is open. And the Gospel of John tells us they see all the Roman soldiers, and there was a bunch of them, by the way, guarding the tomb. They're laying around like they're dead. So yeah, that would be perplexing, wouldn't it? I mean, if you walked in to a situation, if you walked into a cemetery and, and saw the ground open up and there's supposed to be a casket in there and the casket's open and there's no body, that would be perplexing. That would be a little bit freaking you out, I would imagine. Okay, it would freak me out. You guys seem to be like you're just like, no, Harold happens every day, man, Not a big deal. <laughs> Roman soldiers laying on the ground? Psh, yeah, whatever. No, it's, it's, it's strange. By the way, nobody takes out a Roman soldier, at least, and not a cohort of them, not a bunch of them. Somebody did, something happened. We also find out that they're talking about who would have done this. Who would have taken Jesus' body? One of the other gospels tells us that Mary was actually talking um, to Jesus, to the angel. I can't remember now, I just lost it in my head, but she was talking to who she thought was the gardener and saying, what have you done with Jesus? Where have they taken him? They thought somebody took Jesus. Now, so that's the ladies, and we kind of get that. I, I, you know, if I was them, I would be a little perplexed, a little shocked as well. But the 11 and the other disciples, but the 11, I, I'm, I'm a little shocked by that, personally. Now, before we get into them, let me just kind of give them some slack if you can kind of put yourselves into the sandals of these disciples, they've gone through kind of a roller coaster a week, wouldn't you say? You know, here prior to Jesus coming into Jerusalem, Jesus tells them, hey, by the way, I've got to go to Jerusalem. And when I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested. And then I'm going to die. And I'm going to rise on the third day. And they're like, no, 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 Jesus, don't go. Don't go to Jerusalem. We don't want you to die. It's not your time. And he's like, no, I've got to do that. I've got to go. And in spite of them trying to hold him back from going to Jerusalem, he goes. But then they walk into Jerusalem, right? Palm Sunday, they walk in and everyone's singing, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to be who comes in the name of the Lord. They're all excited. And the disciples are like, hey, you know, it's so bad. Yeah. Maybe this is going to happen. Maybe, you know, we always wanted Jesus to take over and, and be the king of Israel and, And free us from Rome and make Israel a great nation again. Maybe this is going to happen this time. Oh, yes, this is great. And then shortly after that, Jesus is arrested. And the people who were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blesses him who comes in the name of the Lord, are yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And the disciples were over here going, yes, this is great. Now they're over here going, oh, my word, what's going on? Just like what we thought was gonna happen is happening, and Jesus has been arrested. So they're probably a little bit worked up emotionally. And if you've ever been in that situation, I know I have, sometimes it's hard to think. Think clearly. It's hard to it's hard to remember certain things. And you know, and then they put on top of that the type of death that Jesus went through. The fact that he was beaten and mocked. And they were watching that. You know, we see people die, and it's, it's heart-wrenching. It's hard to go through. It's hard to see it happening, but they were seeing it right in front of their eyes, him being beaten and bruised and tore open, and then eventually hung on a cross. I, I can't imagine they would even recognize him. So if they forgot a couple things that Jesus taught them, I would get that. If they're a little bit emotionally distraught. We'd understand that. But it says that in verse 11 and 12 when the ladies got back these words that that the tomb was empty and the soldiers were down and that the angels had talked to them and reminded them about the fact that Jesus said this was going to happen and this isn't the only time Jesus said it Jesus has been saying it ever since he got to earth that this was going to happen it had to happen we have no life, spiritual life we have no hope We have no freedom. We have no release from our sin. We have no relationship with God unless Jesus does what he does. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe. You know, I don't know. Again, I I have this little movie mind, I guess, or cartoon mind, but I would think on the third day, you know, so Jesus is buried, it's now the third day. If it was me, I, I would like to think that I would be like somewhere hiding around by the tomb. And so, to, you know, I don't want the Roman soldiers to see me. And I would be waiting for something to happen. It, wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't you, you know, you're sitting there going, all right, third day. Jesus said he was going to rise on the third day. Come on, tomb, door, stone, thing. Come on, roll, roll. But nobody was there except the soldiers. Thought it was nonsense, would not believe them. Well, maybe Peter, maybe Peter will come to our rescue, right? So Peter, he runs. Gospel of John tells us that John ran with them. But the Gospel of John also says something similar to this. They looked in, they saw the linen wrappings, and then they went away to their home. Luke adds that marveling at what happened. This word marveling, it has this idea of wondering what happened. How could this have been? Peter, (laughs) you rose from the dead. What's going on here, you guys? Why aren't you catching this? But he just went to his house wondering, man, what What happened here? How did this happen? We're not told that Peter had it in his head that Jesus rose from the dead. Well, then Luke goes on. He tells us about a couple other disciples, not... um, not any of the eleven. In fact, he names one of them as Calapas. Um, doesn't name the other one. And so he tells us that they're taking off. That, that, and again, don't know why. Again, I'm trying to put myself into the story. I think if, if I thought Jesus was going to rise from the third, thir- on, the, on the third day, or if I thought somebody took his body, that I'd want to hang out in Jerusalem and find out what's going on. Right? You want to find the people who took his body. These two guys... They take off for Emmaus, about a seven-mile walk. I don't know if they're like saying, well, we gave it a good shot, you know. <laughs> Follow Jesus. We thought he was going to do what he's going to do. In fact, they tell us a little bit about what they were thinking, and it's not happening. So, you know, let's go home or let's go over to Emmaus and get back to work. Or Again, we're not really told why they did it. But pick up the story in verse 13. It says, Behold, two of them, and talking about this general group of disciples, Followers of Christ were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place while they were talking and discussing. Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing recognizing him and he said to them, "What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you're walking? Okay kind of put yourself in a, in this situation. These two followers of Christ, again, seeing everything that they've seen over the last several weeks, especially, hearing that the body's gone, the Roman soldiers are knocked out dead, and, you know, people talking, people wondering what's going on. You, you got to imagine that there's some sort of clamoring going on, people talking And so they're talking, they're walking along, talking about these things, and they're probably kind of worked up, I would imagine. And they're, you know, what about this, and what about that? And maybe so-and-so took the body, or maybe so, maybe the Jewish religious leaders took the body, or maybe the Romans took the body. We don't know where the body is, I can't believe we didn't, where is Jesus at? We haven't seen Jesus. Again, humor, he's right in front of them. So obviously when Jesus walks up on him, or the stranger walks up on him, he's probably hearing this. So he asked them, what's, what's going on? Why are you exchanging his words with one another? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Clopas, answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus and Nazarene, who was a, uh, a prophet mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. You know, third day, remember? He was supposed to rise and he's not there. Again. But also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb, found it just exactly as the women also said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, he said to them the stranger, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Not that they hadn't heard this before, by the way. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going further, but they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in and he stayed with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Gee! Jesus? Jesus? What does it say there? He vanished from their sight. <laughs> Come on, people. Are you reading this the same as me? This is funny. You know, so he breaks bread, he hands it to her like, gee! It us. Where'd he go? He vanished. The Bible said he vanished. He vanished. He's gone. Poof. Not there anymore. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while, we were speaking to, while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining his scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. Who cares if it's late? We're heading back. And they found uh, gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. So when they get back, the, the disciples that were already there Jesus had already appeared to Peter. So now they're, they're all excited. They're all talking. They can't believe it. We saw Jesus. We saw Jesus. He is alive. He's around. We, this is wonderful. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. So these two disciples, their initial response was that of being sad. It says that, Um, their eyes were prevented from seeing Jesus. We don't really know why that happened. Obviously, God could have done it for a reason. Jesus could have done it for a reason to kind of make this kind of an impressive situation for them, um, holding things back for them. Um, You know, we don't know. Some translations would say God did it, but there's no really indication scripturally. But the fact is that they didn't recognize Jesus. Um, It wasn't that his glorified body is any different than what it was when he was on earth, so there's a supernatural thing probably going on. And their sadness, uh, they shared their sadness as they they told the story about what had happened to Jesus, and they call him a great prophet. Now, I don't know if that's any indication, but it's kind of an interesting way to express who Jesus was for a disciple, a great prophet of God and of, of the people. But that's how they described him. And he said they were disappointed that he had failed to free Israel from Rome. Though Jesus never said he was going to do that, they were kind of bummed. And then again, here's the third day, and his body's missing from the tomb. And at this point, again, how does Jesus keep from laughing? You know, man, it's the third day, and Jesus is not even here. You know, Jesus is looking around like, you'll find out. Wait for it, wait for it, you know. Then the stranger goes on and tells them about who Jesus is, what he came to do, why it was this had to happen. He goes all the way back into the Old Testament with Moses and shows them from the Old Testament everything that was said about the Christ, the Messiah, and what he had to go through. And then Jesus does this little <laughs> give and go. You know, gives the bread and goes, takes off. They're shocked. And then he ran back to tell. Disciples, what they had found. And then we see in verse 36 that the disciples finally understood. They finally got it. Their response to the resurrection comes full circle and they get it. Starting in 36, it says, While they were telling these things, he himself, Jesus, stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. Okay, so, you know, put on your little cartoon mind here, your little movie set mind. They're all over here and they're excited. They're talking about the fact that they'd seen Jesus and, you know, Peter saw him and these two guys, Calapas, and the other guy, they saw him and this is unbelievable, this is wonderful, this is great. And all of a sudden, poof, peace be to you. Whoa! <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jesus? Or is that a ghost? I mean, it freaked them out. Boy, once again, you guys are a tough crowd. I, you know, that would freak you out, right? Okay, thank you. Whew. We're done. No. <laughs> so they, so Jesus shows up. They think it's a spirit, once again, you know. Disciples are really good at doing this. Every time they see Jesus doing something strange, they think it's a, a spirit. And he says, no, 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 it's not a spirit. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Come, check them out. I'm, I'm real my body and then he does something really strange and now they're so excited it's you know it's it's beyond belief they're so excited this really is you I can't go whoa are you really sure it's you he's like here let me take a piece of fish fishing now I think what he does is he he blesses it before it it, it turns into a hamburger (laughs) that's just my this Harold Burger, you know don't go home saying you know anything but I'm just saying I mean, if you're going to prove that you're human, why would you eat a fish? Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. I I would have gone with a cookie, piece of cake, hamburger. So the question is, well, let me continue on. I got hooked on the fish. (laughs) So anyway, oh, now you get it. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I see how you are. Sure. Anyways, so then he says in verse 44, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, numerous times, parentheses, that all these things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened up their minds to understand to Scripture. And he said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, by the way, it's the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are closed with power from on high. So why did the disciples respond the way they responded initially? I think it's important for us to see this and and maybe evaluate our response. So first of all, they responded like they had forgotten or maybe didn't really believe what Jesus told them about him rising from the dead. Verse 6 tells us the angels had to remind the women that Jesus had said this, that he was going to do this. Again, their first instinct was to think that somebody stole the body. Verses 25 to 27, the stranger, Jesus, had to remind the two disciples what the Old Testament prophets had said. 44 and 45, Jesus himself, again, had to remind them and give them a little extra help of understanding what was going on. But after all these years, all these miracles, they were having a difficult time believing that this really happened, that what Jesus said was going to happen actually happened. Or maybe it was the fact that they they couldn't let go of the preconceived ideas of what Jesus was, who Jesus was, what he came to do. The two on the road to Damascus or to Emmaus, um, they you know they had this preconceived idea that number one he was he was a mighty prophet. He wasn't the Son of God, evidently, and at least that I thought the first instinct for them. It says that. Uh, They were hoping that they would redeem Israel, free Israel from from the Roman authority, that Israel would be a nation again. So that was a preconceived idea that they had. And they also said, you know, here it is the third day, but we haven't seen them. There's nobody at the tomb, but we haven't seen them. So something else must have happened. But then... Thank the Lord for Jesus who comes along and gives the answer, gives the understanding, he rescues them, and gives them the true understanding of what was going on. Because what Jesus has for them and has for us, this is a spiritual dynamic, this is a spiritual thing. And sometimes, you know, actually all the time, Jesus has to give us that better understanding, that understanding of who he is and, and what he's done. So he brings clarity to this, and he puts the pieces together for them, and he says, listen, since the beginning of time, this was the whole point. This was the plan. Man was separated from God because of his sin, and you can't get into God's presence, have a relationship with God unless that sin is gone, and there's nobody who could die an eternal death for everyone who has ever lived or will live, and then rise from the dead, defeat death, defeat sin, defeat the consequences of our sin. Only God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, could do that. And that's what Jesus did. And my prayer this morning is that Jesus would give all of us, wherever we're at with him, that extra bit of understanding so that we respond To the resurrection, the way he wants us to respond to it. So, how do you respond? Maybe some of you guys are sitting here this morning and you're like, come on, Harold, really? It's nonsense. It's a good story, it's nice, feel good. You know, it's nonsense. I don't really don't really believe it. Or maybe you have some preconceived ideas about who Jesus is. You know, yeah, no, he lived, we get it. History would say he lived, and yeah, there's no tomb there, but you know, we can have a debate as to where the body went, who took him. But he's a good teacher, I get that. Nice guy, help people. But you're you're not coming to terms with what Jesus is saying in these words. What we have before us. It's not nonsense. It happened. And it happened for a purpose. Jesus rose from the dead because somebody had to defeat Satan, sin, in order to restore a relationship that we need to have with God, and only Jesus can do that. Again, I can't get over the fact that he he died an eternal death for everyone who ever lived and whoever will ever live in hell. And he rose again. And he's offering that to us. He's offering that sacrifice, that victory to us so we can have life, so we can have hope, so we can have freedom. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like the two disciples. And I love this phrase. They said, remember when he was telling us about who Jesus, who he was? Our hearts were burning within us. What a great phrase. And I'm not even like a like a romantic, poetic kind of guy, but that's a great phrase. Burning within us. The excitement that they were feeling. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Now I remember that. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. It's great. Yes. Jesus, he's great. This is unbelievable. Good stuff. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you have that, and you're thinking, yeah true. If, if only I could know that I have spiritual life, life to the fullest, as Jesus talked about. It. If only I knew that I could have hope for my life. If only I knew I could have freedom from sin. And Jesus is here saying, you got it. If You just asked for it. That's what he's talking about when he talks about the, the repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed. Again, that sin separates us from God, keeps us from God's presence. God's holy, can't have sin in his presence. He wants us in his presence, and so he says, well, there's the only way I can do that, and I have to die for him. So the God the Son, Jesus Christ, comes. Let me just ask you, if if you're at that point, it's a very simple conversation, your heart to God's heart. And you really basically just tell them what I told you. Lord, I, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm separated from God. I know I want a relationship with you. I want that life. I want that hope. I want that freedom. Will you please forgive me? I'm trusting that Jesus died on the cross and rose again for me, for my sin. And that's that repentance. That's that turning. Christ. What I'd like to do is, let me just lead you in a prayer. If you're, if you're ready to make that commitment and you're ready to receive that gift, okay, let me just pray a prayer for you. Everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed, and I'm just going to pray a simple prayer, and if you want to pray that prayer, just your heart to God's heart, just repeat after me, repeat what I'm saying. The prayer is not what saved you, it's what your heart is saying to God, and it's God who saves But simply say this, Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that I'm separated from God, but I also know and believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again for me to take my sin, my punishment. And I ask you to forgive me. I'm declaring today that I'm trusting in you and you alone for my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. If if you've prayed that prayer, I would love to know that. Just slip your hand up. Let me know you've prayed that prayer. Thanks, see that. Thank you. Anybody else, just keep your hand up for a little bit. Let me be able to see it. Thank you, appreciate that. If you prayed to accept Christ this morning, to have him take your sin. Put your hand up real quick. Thanks, I appreciate those hands. Go ahead and look up this way. uh, Carter and the band are going to close our service out this morning, but I just want to talk to one other group of people, and that is those who have placed their faith in Christ, because Jesus talks to us. And he says that our responsibility is to go and proclaim this message that's our job we put our faith in christ now we have life now we have purpose and hope now we have freedom we can go out and we can share that message with people about who jesus christ is what the resurrection is all about that's our job if you look around you'll see there's empty spots around you those should be filled and then when those are filled and we can't fit any more in here we'll just go to another service have more spaces and more places for people to sit, and then we can always build if we have to. Whatever the case, the point is, that's our job—to reach people for Christ. That's the privilege and the honor that we have. Carter, won't you close this out this morning?